Well, good morning and welcome to Front Range. My name is Brandon Yates and I'm the family ministry pastor here at Front Range. And it is so good to have you with us, whether you're in person, online, or out in the courtyard. Um, if, if you're new here, um, our hope and prayer is that this could become a place where you could build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. So it's so good to have you with us today. Uh, before we dive in, I want to draw your attention on every seat uh, here and outside. Uh, there's a little card, and it says Parent Connect Night. This is something that we do every single quarter where we create an opportunity for parents of any stage to get together, to build community, and then to talk about a specific topic and get training on that. And so next Sunday night um, at the Ministry Center, we are going to be hosting a Parent Connect night with the focus of parenting with mental health in mind. I'm super excited for this night. Uh, we're going to have mental health professionals from inside our very own community uh, who are going to be there as a panel um, to help train and give advice and wisdom, an opportunity for us to ask questions. And so uh, if you are a parent in any stage, uh, whether you have a baby on the way or or uh, you just kicked your last one out of the house, I mean, sent them off to college. Um, we would love to have you uh, be there. You can scan the QR code on that card, or you can go to frontrange.org, go to the events tab to find out more information on that. We'd love to have you there. Today we are continuing a series called Game Changers. Everybody say Game Changers. There you go. Well, we're following along with some of the key moments in the life of the Apostle Paul, uh, who was one of the most influential people in history, uh, next to Jesus, of course. But if you missed last week when we kicked off this series, I'd encourage you to go check that out. You can go to our website. We have something that we call a series hub, which has all the previous messages. And then it has a bunch of resources, books, videos, podcasts, um, blogs that you can read and actually dive in deeper uh, to personally grow along with the series. So make sure you check that out as well. But what we know is that Paul wrote about a third of the New Testament uh, and he spread the gospel across the entire earth. He spent a lot of his life, most of his life, doing this work. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. We, we, we understand that Paul's life, that he lived a life worthy of imitation for both the early church and for us today. And so we're going to take a look at his life and see how these game-changing actions and ideas and way of life can actually be applied to our life. Now, what if I could tell you that there is a single guaranteed surefire way of us getting closer to God. Would you want to hear it? Right? I think if we understood there was a single surefire thing that could get us closer to God, we'd all be interested. We'd all want to step into it. What if this one single game changer could change everything for us? It could change our life. It could bring more peace. It could bring more hope. It could, it could change everything. I, th I think we'd all want that, right? But what if I told you that this one game-changing idea involved you having to endure pain and suffering. Would you still want to hear about it? Some of us are like, uh, that's not what I came to church for. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Okay. But one of the things we know about the life of Paul was that he endured a lot of pain and suffering. So let's check this out. Uh, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is Paul actually giving a testimony of the pain and suffering that he endured kind of throughout his life. And so we're going to dive right in. Starting in verse 23, it says this. It says, Paul, he says, I have been in prison more frequently 
been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Sweet. (laughs) So encouraging. He continues, he says, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. See, they believed if you got 40 lashes, you would actually die. And so five different times he was whipped 39 times. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. He says, I've been in danger from rivers. I've been in danger from bandits. I've been in danger from my fellow fellow Jews. I've been in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I think Paul's trying to tell us something. And that thing is, he should stay inside. No, I'm joking. He continues, and he says, I have labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and have gone without food. See, you hit me with that, and I'm done. If I don't get my food, I'm out. He says, I've been cold, and I've been naked. Sign me up, right? Like, that's, that sounds like the most amazing life. Maybe not. And what, what, what actually is crazier is Paul actually goes on to get executed. He he loses his life in the midst of all of this. So why are we talking about Paul all of these years later? Why are we talking about his life? Is it because he has a prison record? No, it's not because he has a record, but he does have one. Is it because his arrests were unjust? No, but they were. Are we talking about Paul because his life would make an epic Netflix documentary? No, I'd watch it. But that's not why we're talking about Paul. We are talking about Paul all these years later because of how he responded in the midst of all of those things that he listed. How did he respond in the midst of pain? See, Paul learned something powerful in these painful moments, and he continued to walk in them every single moment of his life. But I don't know too many of us who would willingly welcome in more pain and suffering than most of us already endure on a daily basis, right? Unless you're like one of those people who willingly eats kale, don't understand that. Um, Maybe you're one of those people who enjoys like the ice baths and you get in and like shock your system and you love it, weird, don't understand that. If the water's not steaming, I'm not getting in it. Sorry, that's how it happens, right? Maybe you're one of those people who chooses to run marathons and you just love it, right? I have a question for you. How do you know somebody has run a marathon? They tell you. They tell you. See, you knew. You knew. They tell you, right? But not many of us would choose to willingly endure more pain and suffering in our lives. But it's an undeniable fact of human existence. Every single human who has ever lived, including Jesus, has encountered some level of pain and suffering, whether it be physical or spiritual or emotional or mental. We've experienced it. You name it, we've experienced it. So much so... It's such an undeniable fact that Jesus has a promise for us. That promise is found in John 16, 33, and this is what it says. It says, in this life, you will have many troubles. Thanks, Jesus. Right? In fact, I, I want us to take a moment, and I want us to do something, because I think we all understand that that promise is true. I think every single one of us in this room, out in the courtyard, online, can understand and agree with the fact that every single one of us has endured pain. Every single one of us has endured suffering. 
But I think something can begin to shift and something can begin to change for us when we recognize just how impactful it is to the people around us. And so I'm going to ask us to be vulnerable for a moment. And I'm going to participate as well. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off a list of scenarios, a list of circumstances, a list of pain. And I want to ask you if you or someone you know has been impacted by the statement that I read, I want to ask you to stand up. And I want you to stay standing until I ask us all to sit down. And I'm guessing that more than one of these statements is going to have affected you or someone you know. And so if that's true, even if you are standing, feel free to raise a hand. And so I'm going to sit down here just to show that I am participating in this as well. But as soon as you hear something that has impacted you or somebody you know, would you please stand and stay standing? If you or someone you know has passed away from a disease diagnosis like Alzheimer or cancer, Would you please stand? If you or someone you know has ever struggled with infertility or miscarriage, would you please stand? If you've ever lost someone to suicide, please stand. If you're someone you know has struggled with mental illness, Please stand. If you've ever been mad at God or questioned God, please stand. I want you guys to look around. I want you to stay standing, but you can put your hands down. But I want you to look around. And I want you to know that outside these doors for people in this room, there are people standing. And I want you to know that you are not alone. I want you to know that God sees you. And I want you to know that some of us, when we stand, we are standing because of the healed scars that we have had in our lives. And some of us are standing because of very recent wounds, very recent losses, very recent diagnosis, very recent pain. And I wanted us all to stand because I want us to understand and I want us to see that every single one of us is dealing with pain. It is not just you. You're not alone. You are not isolated. You are not forgotten. Your God sees you and he knows you and he cares for you. And I know that there are some very, very, very real and very big things represented by the people standing in this room. And I do not minimize those. I do not use this in a, in a, a simple way, but I, what I want us to understand is as a community, we can be together for each other. That we can walk with one another, that we can support one another, that we can pray for one another, and that you do not have to walk in isolation. You do not have to walk alone because we serve a God, a good God who loves us. And so here's what I want us to do I want us to take a moment and we're gonna pray. And so I want us to get a little bit more vulnerable, but if there's somebody around you who's standing, I want you to just, would you place a shoulder or a hand on their shoulder? or maybe on their back, and we're just going to take a second, and we're going to pray, and as I pray, I want you to pray as well, 
And if you're watching online, we are praying and we are standing with you. And so, Jesus, we just come before you. Holy Spirit, we submit to you in this moment. And God, we ask for peace. God, we ask for healing. God, we ask that your will be done on earth in these situations as it is in heaven. And God, we've seen you do it. We've seen you bring the prodigal home. We've seen you bring the healing. We've seen you speak life. And Jesus, we ask for those things. But in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our fear, Jesus, would you be closer than we ever thought possible? God, would you speak louder? God, would you do something amazing? Would you bring a peace that surpasses all understanding? God, we speak against cancer. We speak against mental illness. God, we, we speak against our anger. And God, we, we submit to you. And God, we ask that in the midst of these situations, God, would you do something? God, would you bring healing? Would you bring hope? Most of all, God, would you be present? And would you be real? We love you. And we praise you. And we worship you. In the midst of our pain, we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for being willing to stand up and say, hey, not everything is always okay. Everything isn't always as it seems. And I, I love that promise that Jesus gives us that, that, hey, in this world you will have trouble. But I love how he follows it up in the end of that verse. He says, but take heart. Take heart, I have overcome the world. We know that all of us have suffered and walked through pain, and we know that we will continue to go through seasons where we experience pain and suffering in our lives. So what is this game changer that we can learn today? It's developing resilience in the midst of pain. In the midst of the pain. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them out, open up to Acts chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. They're going to be on the, the verses are going to be on the screen. Uh, if you don't have a Bible at all and you'd like one, you can go to the Blue Connections tent that Pastor Mike was talking about. We would love to get you one. But right here in the, the, this point in the story, we have this guy, Paul, and his buddy Silas. And they're in a place called Philippi. And they've just recently planted a church. And they're, they're out there and they're hanging out with the people and they're praying. And so Acts chapter 16, verse 16, it says this. It says, once, we're, <clears throat> excuse me, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Now, you might say, what's that got to do with anything? Don't worry. We'll get there. See, what we understand here in the next few verses is that this girl began to follow Paul and Silas for days. As they would walk through the city, this girl was in the background sometimes. She's kind of like Bruno. You really have to look for her. She's walking. She's sneaking on them. And sometimes she's actually causing a disturbance. And Paul and Silas, they want to keep low. They don't want to create a disturbance. They don't want unwanted attention. But this girl, she would often stand up and she would yell at the top of her lungs, these guys are talking about Jesus. These guys are talking about the way of salvation. These guys are talking about God. And she's right. They were. But she was being annoying. Paul's like, you got to calm down. you got to stop. And so at one point, Paul turns to her, and he casts the demon out of her, and the spirit leaves her, and she's set free, which is amazing. But her masters 
are furious because now she can't make money for them. And so they take Paul and Silas, and they take them into the government, and they say, these guys are causing a disturbance everywhere they go. It wasn't them. They were down low. They were on the lowdown. Like, they were trying to, it was this girl. And these guys, are, this, this mob begins to form, and they're so furious with Paul and Silas. And so what do they do? The Bible says that they strip them of their clothes. And they beat them with rods, and they flog them, and then they throw them into prison. For what? Right? Like, if I'm Paul and Silas, I'm just saying, like, God, what, what are you doing? I'm just trying to go to church and pray, and I'm getting beat, right? Like, they helped this girl. They, they set this girl free from demon possession, and this is the reward they get? Like, I don't know about you. I'd be sitting in prison pretty upset. Like, I, I, I'd be pretty mad. I'm suffering. I'd be wondering, what, what is God going to do with this? How could God use me in the midst of this situation? I'm locked up, I'm in pain, I'm angry. Like, what, what are you going to do? What good could come from this? But let's look at what Scripture tells us Paul and Silas do. In verse 25, while they're sitting in a dark prison, they're sitting in this wet dark inner prison. They're naked. They're chained up. Their bodies have been beaten. They're probably pouring blood out of certain spots of their body. Let's see what their response was in Acts 16.25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Are you kidding me? About midnight? Now, what this tells me, first of all, is Paul and Silas obviously weren't parents because if it's midnight, I'm sleeping. I'm going to bed, right? But it says at midnight they were praying and singing hymns after getting beaten half to death, put into prison under false pretenses. These guys are praying and singing? They're having a worship service? Are, are, listen, if that's me... I'm not having a worship service. I'm having a pity party, and everybody in the prison's invited, right? Like, woe is me, right? Some of us, these, these guys are holding a worship service. They're praying, and they're singing, and they're praising God in the midst of this prison. Some of us don't worship and pray when everything is going right in life, let alone when everything is falling apart, and their response is to pray and worship. And in Paul's very own words, it's these actions that produced a peace that surpasses all understanding. So if pain is an unavoidable part of life, what can we learn from it? Well, first, pain can draw us closer to God. Pain can draw us closer to God. I didn't say pain will draw you closer to God. I said pain can draw us closer to God. But this is counter to our culture, right? In, in culture today, we want to avoid pain at all costs. We do whatever it takes to get away from pain, right? We don't see it as something that God can use. We see it as something to be completely avoided. But we just talked about it and we just learned, like, pain is, you can't avoid it. It's, it's going to come. If you aren't currently walking through it, it's coming for you. So be prepared. But this, this whole life is, hey, how do we live a life? How do we make enough money to be comfortable to be good, to avoid pain. And when pain comes in our way, we're like, whoa, everything, like what, what's happening? That's obviously not from God, right? So pain comes our way sometimes. We're like, is, is, is there even a God? 
Like my God is supposed to provide. My God is supposed to make everything good. And that's what this culture tells us. And for us to be able to look at and to say that pain can draw us closer to God often goes against what we believe or what we desire. We have this this idea that whatever causes me pain in my life, I have to get rid of. I have to avoid it. My job, it's too stressful, it's too painful, it's causing me just all this stuff, so I'm getting rid of it, and I'm running the other way, right? My spouse, they're causing too much pain in my life, they're causing too much drama, I'm getting rid of them. We often want to get rid of the source of pain rather than seeing maybe what God wants to do in the midst of it. Here's what I want to tell you. In the darkest, deepest, most painful points in your life, don't make life-altering decisions. But take time and sit in that pain and let Jesus draw you to himself. Draw closer to God in those moments. Because pain is something that we will have to endure in our lives. But what is our response in the midst of it? What does Paul do? Paul doesn't try to numb his pain. He doesn't try to avoid it. He doesn't try to run from it. No, Paul and Silas were praying and worshiping, and Paul allowed God and allowed his circumstances to draw him into a deeper place of praise, into a deeper place of dependency on God. See, in 2020, I think we all hear that, and we recognize that everything shifted for everybody, right? Lockdown happened and everything, and being honest, I loved it. Being locked down with my wife and my kids was awesome. Being able to stay up super late and then sleep half the day, it was fantastic, right? We started, we had these different like little traditions that we did. Like we began to like cook more and like have all these, like it was awesome. We went on walks, we played outside. It was fantastic. I, I, I truly loved it. My wife and I like made a bunch of TikToks and like were stupid. Like it was great. It was a fun time. But one thing you have to know about me, if we've never met, um, is I am, uh, on the Enneagram, if you're familiar, it's, it's like a personality, I'm a seven, which is like the enthusiast, like I always want people around, I always want to party, I want to hang out, I'm like, let's go, anyone can come over at any time, like I want to I be around people, like I'm an extrovert, any other extroverts here, like yeah, like let's hang out, okay, if you're an introvert, you can come too, but you know. <laughs> We'll have more fun. And so I didn't even realize this happening, okay? And at some point at the beginning of 2021, something clicked. And I can't tell you what. I can't tell you. I, I, I don't know. All I know is that I wasn't myself. All I know is that I was struggling. All I know is that I felt completely fake. I felt like an imposter. I felt like every smile that was on my face was was made up. I, I, and again, I've, I've never experienced depression. I never experienced mental illness. I had always been the glass half full. Look on the, the, the brighter side of life. Like, hey, everything's terrible. It's okay. Like that was my mentality. And something shifted inside of me. And I went to this place of deep depression. And I can't explain it. I still don't fully understand what happened. I still don't fully grasp what what shifted for me, but all I know is I felt like a complete and total imposter in my own body. And I began to doubt. 
And I began to have questions and I began to have fears and I began to think like, why, why am I such a terrible husband? Why am I such a terrible father? My kids are going to grow up to resent me. I, I began to feel useless and worthless and wondering if my life was ever going to make a difference or if anything was ever going to happen or if God even still wanted to know me or use me. I began, began to believe these lies that, that I was done. I was never going to do anything in ministry. I was never going to be the father and the husband that God was calling me to be. And it was this deep, deep place that I had never experienced before. For about two and a half years, I walked in that place. I'm wondering if you've ever been there, where it seems like pain is all around. It feels like darkness is all you see. Like everything you touch just crumbles in your hand. I'm wondering if you've ever been there. And the truth is that if we allow it, the pain that we are walking through now can draw us closer to God, to a deeper dependency on him. The second thing that we can learn from this is that pain can bring purpose. Pain can bring purpose. Pain in our lives has the ability to be used by God in some truly amazing ways. It can make us more compassionate towards people around us. It can change our worldview. For some of us, the, the pain that we walk in, it actually changes our career path and causes us to do something different. See, I want you to hear this, that you never know when the pain that you've walked through will become the purpose that you walk in. I want you to hear that again. You never know when the pain that you've walked through will become the purpose that you walk in. And oftentimes we don't realize that that has happened until we're in the midst of it already. Continuing on a few verses later in this story, Acts 16 verse 26, it says this. It says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. So Paul and Silas, they're praying and they're worshiping and then suddenly this earthquake happens and it shakes open the doors and all the prison cells open wide and the prison guard, who is supposed to be making sure everything is cool with the prison, is falling asleep and he wakes up to this sudden earthquake and everything is shaken and the doors are open. And he's terrified. And the Bible tells us that he grabs his sword and he's about to take his own life because he knows... It's his job to keep the prisoners inside the prison. If the prisoners aren't inside the prison, then he's going to be punished. His life is going to be taken. And so he prepares to take his own life because he thinks everyone is gone. And he hears from inside one of the cells, Paul yell out. He says, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. See, that tells me that Paul had experience being in prison and knew what was about to happen to this guard. He says, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. And then in Acts verse 20, or 16, 29, it says, The jailer called for the lights. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he, and he then brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Don't miss this suddenly. Suddenly this happened. I don't know about you. Paul and Silas, they're sitting in prison. They're beaten. They've been there all day. Nothing happens suddenly. Like, I'm wanting it to happen. Nothing happens just suddenly, but suddenly. This is often how God moves. 
where we're praying and we're fighting and we're going and we're seeking and we don't see something and then suddenly he moves. Suddenly he shows up. Suddenly my prayer is answered. Suddenly I'm sitting in his presence. Suddenly I have peace. Suddenly I see the purpose of my pain. Suddenly I see why I went through what I'm going through. And this is the tricky part. Because for God to bring purpose to our pain, we have to be willing to submit every area of our lives to him, including our pain. Are we willing to submit? We must be willing to say, God, here I am. I'm broken. I'm messed up. I'm in pain. But God, here I am. Use me. Are we willing to sit in that moment? See, I have found that the greatest way to receive the healing and the peace that we are looking for is to release our pain to be used by God and to live with this mentality that if I am going to go through it, then God, you have to use it. If I'm going to go through the pain, if I'm going to go through the loss, God, would you please use it? I just shared a story about my mental illness and the struggle that I've had over the last several years. And at the beginning of the message, I talked about a parent connect night that we're hosting next week that's Based on what? Mental health. Because I have gone through it. Because I still need help and learning. But I've found the greatest way to receive that is to say, God, if I'm going to walk through this pain, God, if my family is going to be impacted like this, don't let it go to waste. God, use it somehow. God, use it some way. And it takes us being transparent and it takes us being vulnerable enough to say, God, here I am, broken takes humility to be able to say, here's where I am, here's where I have been, and here's where I'm going. God, use it. But God can bring about a new purpose to your pain if you submit it to him. And the hard thing is that sometimes in life, oftentimes we're still left with the question of why. Yeah, that's great. God, God can use my pain. God can draw me closer, but why? But why did I go through this? But why did this happen? But why this diagnosis? But why this loss? But, but why? And, and I wish, I wish I could stand up here and say, here's why. I wish I could stand up and I could give an answer as to why that would be sufficient enough for what you are looking for. But the truth is I can't. I can't tell you why you had that loss. I can't tell you why you've experienced infertility. I can't tell you why we've experienced or walked through these things. I wish I could tell you that what you are currently walking through right now will be okay, but I can't. I can't. When we look at all of human history, we can see people trying to reconcile this good, loving, caring God with the pain and the brokenness of this fallen world. And even if we could give a sufficient answer, I don't think it would really meet what we truly need. See, through the last three and a half years, Ultimately, I have found that the only satisfying solution in the midst of my pain is not the perfect answer, but it's the perfect presence of a loving God meeting me in the midst of my pain. 
and bringing a hope and bringing a peace that surpasses all understanding. I wish I could tell you that everything in our lives has been put into this nice little package that's tied up in a bow and it's, it's beautiful. I wish I could tell you that by my standards, everything has been put into its place, but I cannot tell you that. But what I can tell you is in the deepest, darkest moments of my life, my God has met me in that place and he has drawn me closer and he has brought a peace that surpasses understanding. And I can honestly tell you standing on this stage while still walking through the pain that it is well that it is well that it hurts but it is well that my God is good and my God is loving and my God is caring and maybe you're in this place today and you say I'm not there yet Maybe you walked into this place and you're dealing with a bunch of pain and you've never experienced Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you don't know what this is all about, then I want to highlight for you that class that Pastor Mike talked about at the beginning, Alpha. It's an opportunity for you to come into community with your doubts, with your anger, with your questions, with your fear, and have a place to openly talk about it, judgment-free. Maybe you're here and you are a follower of Christ, but you still have those doubts and you still have those questions and you just want to grow in your knowledge and understanding. Sign up for that class. Steve and Marsha, who are leading it, are some of the most kind and tender people I've ever met in my life. They're going to be outside at a tent and they would love to talk to you. They'd love to pull you in and get you signed up for that class. It's going to start on September 25th, so I'd encourage you to find a place where you can be surrounded to walk through this pain, one of the things that I have experienced over the last three years is a community who has surrounded us and held us and walked with us and encouraged us and loved us in the midst of our mess and in the midst of our junk. God has used other broken people to bring healing to my brokenness. So every single time we experience that pain, we have an opportunity, we have a choice in how we're gonna deal with it, with where we're gonna take it, what are we gonna do with it, are we gonna surrender it to God and ask him to use it and meet us in that place? And he can. But here's what I wanna encourage you with. We believe with, with the importance of spiritual rhythms. When maybe today you're not going anything, spend time just like Paul and Silas praying and worshiping. I guarantee you when things were good in Paul's life, he was praying and worshiping. How do I know that? Because when his life was falling apart, that is the place that he ran to the fastest. Set up daily rhythms of surrender to God in your life. Because when the world falls apart around you, what you have already set up will be the thing that surrounds you. I want to end with this verse. It's a word from Paul to the church in Rome's in church in Rome in Romans 12:12. 12, 12. It says, "Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer." Let's pray. Jesus. God, we surrender to you. Our hopes, our dreams, our fears and our pains our depression and anxiety, our diagnoses, our loss. God, we surrender them to you right now. And God, we ask as we make space for you, 
Would you do what only you can do? Would you bring healing? Would you bring hope? Would you bring peace that surpasses understanding? And would you draw us closer into that deep dependency on you? God, would you remove our pride? God, would we be humble enough to say, this is where I am and I need you, God. For some of us in this room, we walked into this place having never surrendered our lives to Jesus. But I want to tell you today that Jesus sees you and that he loves you. And he wasn't just a man, but he came to this earth fully man and fully God and surrendered his life on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. So that even in the midst of your pain, you can experience a hope and a peace that comes only from him. And I'm promising you this, that what you have been seeking to give you the peace and the pain and the numb will not fulfill the need in your life, but Jesus can. And so if you are here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe he's doing something. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. But if you're here in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that today, I just want you to raise your hand just as a way of saying, Jesus, I'm choosing to surrender to you. If you're online, you can do that online as well. I see your hands. I see you. Most importantly, God sees you. And he welcomes you home. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. He receives us broken as we are. So Jesus, I pray for those hands that were raised. Jesus, be close. Be real. Be powerful. And be peace in these moments. And God, for those of us who stood moments ago representing the pain of depression and loss and diagnoses in our lives, God, I pray that in these moments that you would be close, that you would be near to the brokenhearted. Holy Spirit, have your way and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.